Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Well, all right, everybody. This is Jimmy Warren. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Boy, you are in for an incredible treat today. You know what? I have scoured the face of this planet. No, I really have. I have scoured it. I don't even know what that means. But I've done it. I've scoured it, and I've tried to come across. I've tried to find, uncover, unveil, unmask, (laughs) bring to life guitar players that are just truly amazing from all walks of life. And um, I tell you what, the process, you know, from from doing my old radio show, the Jimmy Warren show on the Artist First Network, from doing that and doing this, I have just met some of the most wonderful people that you could possibly imagine. It, it goes to show that typically the people that are the side musicians and the techs, man, they are just wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, today is is no different. Today I have an amazing guitar player that's going to join me in a conversation. We're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about his music, his gear, you know, his history, you know, how he practices. I mean, everything that you want to know from guys that are great at the instrument, uh, we're going to discuss in that. But his name is Tim Quick. That's right, Tim Quick, just like it sounds, Tim Quick. And uh, Tim has played with... uh, you know, just some really great people, John Legend, Alice Cooper, Gloria Gaynor, the Bacon Brothers. But one of the things that's really unique about that, because I could go on, there's other people. One of the things that's really amazing about Tim is that he's one of these guys that also is uh, popular on Broadway. He plays in Rock of Ages with our other good friend, Joel Hookstra. He plays in Cats. Uh, He's done just a ton of Broadway stuff, and, you know, if you're a musician, you know that that's a completely different skill set from being an artist or being a side person, you know, working on Broadway. He is really well-rounded. Other thing that's really interesting about Tim is the fact that he's in the studio right now. He's working on his very first uh, solo project. Um, which I'm really excited to hear because, you know, I've heard him play, you know, I've seen the videos that he does and I, you know, just know from talking to him and know from the situations that he's in that, you know, he's a great player, really is a great player. He's got great taste in instruments, uh, you know, great taste in gear. Uh, you know, he's somebody that if you're a guitar player, you know, that he should be he should be, you know, in your focus at all times, you know, somebody that you should be watching, you know, because I don't know about you, but as a guitar player, personally, there are so many other guitar players I pay really, really close attention to, you know, I watch what they do. I, I check out everything that they release, every little video, everything. I hate to say I'm almost like a stalker, but I am I'm almost like a stalker. But it helps, you know, it helps me to be a better player. I like to see what other people are doing. I like to learn new things. Um, You know, I don't want to be the same player tomorrow that I was today, if that's at all possible. You know, I want to be a little bit better. 
And these guys are a lot better in a lot of ways. And they've got some, you know, really good insight and tricks. And, you know, they know things that, well, maybe some of us don't know. Who know? I don't know. Maybe they don't. I don't, know. I don't know what they know. But I do know this. I know they're going to tell us what they know in these conversations with us here on Guitar Talk. So I'm going to stop babbling because I know you want me to. And we are going to uh, be joined here in just one second with uh, one of my favorite people, uh, Tim Quick. So uh, why don't you tell me, you know, how you got interested in the guitar, of course, and, you know, who were the people or what were the circumstances that influenced you? Okay. Uh, I, I started playing uh, when I was in probably middle school. Uh, I, when I grew up in the 80s, it was... MTV was king, and uh, the rock bands and all that sort of stuff was was what was super cool. So that's kind of what started me, uh, my interest in playing guitar. And uh, basically, I just I, I begged and begged and begged, and eventually my mother got me a guitar for Christmas. And I actually hated it for the first couple of uh, months because once I got it, I thought it was super cool. And then when I realized I had to actually practice to be able to do it, I I had no interest in doing it or practicing. But eventually, I, that, that kind of came around, and um, the, the players that I started that, that first inspired me were obviously the guys of that generation, um, the hard rock guys, the, the shred guys like Ingve and Paul Gilbert and Steve Vai and, and um, all those kind of 80s shred guys, but also a lot of the classic stuff like Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, uh, all that that you know, 60s, 70s rock sort of stuff. So I started kind of melding and listening to all these different different guitar players, and I certainly definitely went through a technique uh, uh, regiment and whatnot to, to build up all my, my chops and everything. And I also really worked on learning a lot of different styles because for whatever reason, I wanted to be like a session musician pretty much from the get-go. I really admired the guys that got called in to play different styles or different uh, records and different artists and all that sort of stuff. Guys like Steve Lukather and Dan Huff, who were really kind of king at that time. So I learned a lot of different styles and kept an open mind to a lot of different stuff, but it always kind of had a rock foundation, rock blues foundation. And that ultimately served me really well in building a career because I, I have been able to play a lot of different styles pretty authentically. And, I understand a lot of uh, the harmony and, and theory and whatnot, and, and also the I have an authenticity that, that a lot of producers and composers and orchestrators and such look for, particularly in the rock world. Uh, I mean, meaning a like being an authentic rock style player, but still being able to do a lot of different styles. Um, so that's kind of how it all came about. Uh, did you want to dive into more specifics with certain artists or? Yeah. No, actually, uh, so were you musically cha uh, uh, trained or yeah, self-taught? I, I, I was musically trained. I was very fortunate that my first guitar teacher happened to be a very good guitar player who understood theory and, and had me reading music right off the bat, as well as learning solos and, and licks and, and techniques and stuff. So I, I studied with him for many years, and I ultimately went to music school. I graduated with a degree in actually music business, but studied jazz and classical guitar in college. And that kind of gave me a very well-rounded uh, basis of understanding not only jazz guitar and classical guitar and all the theory stuff, but also the business side of how to 
operate as a business, which is essential being a sideman musician and a session musician and such, because you, you are your own business and you need to be a professional how you handle yourself. Right. Um, so yeah, so I did that stuff and still to this day, I haven't take, taken a formal lesson in, in a long time with anybody, but I'm still always learning and, you know, trying to pick up things from different players and different artists. Right. Now, one of the things that you touched on that I, that I think is always key, you know, to being a well-rounded player is being diverse. And, uh-huh. and I know in order to be a studio guy, and I know a lot of uh, guys that are studio guys, I've worked with Chuck Rainey and Paul Jackson Jr. and, you know, uh-huh. some guys like that. And, um, but, uh, we, but when I, when I started out, I, I, I only listened to one style of music. I was like you, I was before you, you know, I was done graduating uh-huh. in the military by the time you were probably thinking about a uh, high school graduation. But, right, right. <laughs> But uh, it wasn't until later on in life for me that that I started listening to other stuff and being influenced by other stuff. Would you say you caught that kind of early on? Did, I mean, were you were you focused on being a studio guy kind of early on, or was it that you were in this rock thing for a while and then all of a sudden the light bulb went off, or were you always listening to you know Chet Atkins and you know whoever you know all the different jazz and blues and country and stuff like that? Um, it, it definitely, well, it started initially with the rock stuff. Cause that's what first inspired me to want to play guitar. And that's what I just grew up listening to. My, my family was not very musical, so there wasn't a whole lot of music going on in the house. Um, so really I kind of had to find it for myself and I would listen to rock artists and read, pour through the old guitar magazines and read interviews with them. And then they would cite guys like you know, if it was uh, Eddie Van Halen, he would cite Eric Clapton, and, and Eric Clapton would cite Robert Johnson. So I would always kind of try to find who the influences were for these guys, and that certainly led me down uh, to a lot of to get an understanding of a lot of history of guitar playing. Um, and then also through teaching and, and studying, I my mind was opened up to a lot of different styles of, of jazz and classical and uh, Latin and and blues and you know r&b and everything so i would i had a pretty pretty open mind about things and fortunately i had a lot of really good teachers that that guided me in the right direction Mm -hmm. so now would you would you suggest to somebody that is is new so let's say somebody wants to play guitar you know they they've got that on their their bucket list of something that they really want to do would you tell them, you know, one of the key things that you need to do is to be diverse. You need to listen to a lot of different things. You need to get a lot of different influences. Or would you tell them to start, you know, start here and just stay here and, you know, and then work your way into it? Well, I guess what I would say, it depends on what they want to do. If they just want to play guitar for a passion and a hobby, then stick with what you you know and what you love and what inspires you. Um, but I would definitely, at the same time, have a little caveat of, also have an open mind to listening to other styles and hearing, you know, different players and different, different genres. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, getting back to what I said before is that I always try to look back. Somebody had told me this actually, I don't remember who it was, but said, if you really dig a guitar player, look into his influences and you'll get a much better understanding of that player's playing. So again, like with the Eddie Van Halen thing, if you listen back to Eric uh, Eric Clapton, you're going to hear a lot of these licks that are just, hyper-speeded or, or, you know, done a lot faster and, and flashier and whatnot. And then if you listen to Eric, Eric Clapton, you're going to hear some Robert Johnson stuff and some of the old blues guys and, and so on and so forth. 
Um, so if you really want to get be proficient at the instrument and really have a, a good understanding of it, you want to dive into all the different layers of, of, of the styles and the artist and such. Right. Right. So, uh, for, for yourself as, as a player, you know, I know sometimes you can get really busy, you know, doing, you know, Broadway and doing, playing with people and doing sessions and stuff like that. Do you have a, a strict, you know, like rehearsal time for yourself, practice time for yourself or regiment, or is it, is it kind of just when you get time or, you know, is it more regimented? Right. Uh, well, I am a pretty regimented guy. Uh, yeah. I've always kind of been very structured and, and organized in how I think. It's just the way that my brain works. So I do have somewhat of a regiment. Um, it certainly depends on um, how much time I have in the day and what I'm doing, whether I'm on the road or doing probably shows or uh, if I'm home with my family. I have a, a young daughter so, who takes a lot of my time so i don't have as much time to practice maybe as i would if i was sitting in a hotel room on the road with a day off but i definitely have a regimen of things that i'm working on uh there's a uh, a piece of that regimen is is always developed or dedicated to technique and maintaining and and improving on uh, on my technique just keeping my chops kind of where they i feel they should be so that i feel comfortable playing what i need to play but then there's also, I'm always trying to work on uh, on improvisation and, uh, again, still studying from other players and, and learning uh, licks, solos, ideas from different different artists. And I also spend um, a fair amount of time right now just writing and working on, I'm working on a solo record that will hopefully be out later this year. Cool. So, which is a whole nother, writing is a whole nother kind of thing that you don't even necessarily, it's not even a... Uh, guitar thing it's more of thinking for me con uh, compositionally and and lyrically and melodically and such yeah now do you do you have a, a specific thing or do you have specific things that that help you stay sharp and you know and grow as, as a player i mean i know when we when we rehearse or when we practice you know we all have specific things that we work on in that but is there something that you that you do personally that helps you stay sharp and and to get better um uh yes i, I think I, I, there's a couple particular things um what i've been working on lately is, has been a lot of uh, blues types of uh, blues things so um I, i've been really trying to work on my uh combination of of major and minor uh scales over dominant chords and using different uh melodic and half uh, half whole diminished concepts and ideas over a blues progression basically so it's almost taking it from like a jazz standpoint which i don't really consider myself a jazz player but i just want to be comfortable at playing a lot of different harmonic elements and getting those those harmonic elements in my ear so that i can play it over like a blues for instance um because a lot of the music that i listen to and artists that i really admire are still kind of in that classic rock blues genre Right. I, I, well, I've noticed from the, the videos that you do have on your website and on YouTube, they are, you know, some of the, you know, Beck and Leonard Skinner and mm. Eric Clapton and stuff like that. So, I, I yeah, have... those those are still kind of the guys I've, that, that still really inspire me mostly. I mean, there's certainly a lot of modern players that uh, are fantastic and inspire me. But what I came up with was uh, primarily that 
stuff of Beck and Hendricks and Zeppelin and Zivre Vaughn, all those guys. So taking that history and, and trying to make it, make it my own and make it a little bit more modern and contemporary. Yeah. It's kind of where my mind is at these days. So, so as you were developing yourself as a as a player, would you say that 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 was one of the the key factors of trying to make Tim Tim and not be not be like Eric Clapton or like somebody else, but trying to develop and and distinguish and create your own style and your own sound and your own you know your own way? Because so many guys, uh, you know, they try to emulate you know, the other sure. people doing their licks and all that other kind of stuff. And, you know, when you don't really hear them, you don't really, you know, know who they are as a player. And sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that I, that I think about particularly a lot. Now I certainly went through phases and eras of my playing where I was trying to sound like so-and-so and spent a lot of time learning his licks or his solos or whatever the songs are in the repertoire. Um, and now that I've, uh, maybe not. I, mean, I don't want to say that that was an immature approach, but now that I'm a little more mature, a little more established, I'm mm-hmm. trying to find my own sound and what what a Tim Quick record sounds like. Because I actually haven't released a solo record of my own um, for a variety of reasons, but I am thinking about that now and working on that now. So I'm trying to really kind of figure out, well, what do I want that to sound like, and what do I want that to be? So I've been spending a lot of time over the last year focusing more and more on finding what my sound is and my style is and inevitably there's elements of of all the influences in there but um it's and i think it's a lifelong journey i'm sure if you ask you know eric johnson i'm sure he's always trying still trying to find what eric johnson sounds like even though he certainly has this sound that is very identifiable right right so uh why don't we uh you know uh, talk about your gear a little bit What's your, sure. what, what's your, you know, if you're going to go play with the, the Bacon Brothers or, or whoever, what's your typical stage rate look like? What is it? Um, it well, it all depends on the, the artist. Um, the two artists that I play with right now are Bacon, the Bacon Brothers and Glory Gaynor, and they have uh, very different um, gear requirements. Um, Glory Gaynor, everybody knows the, from the disco era and, uh, you know, the, the R&B and all that sort of stuff. She's a very... <clears throat> Um, as far as the guitar setup, it's a very straight ahead, uh, Fender strap style guitar, but I actually use, um, these really great guitars that are built by Michael Tuttle, who's a fantastic builder out of Southern California. Mm-hmm. He's built me, um, probably about 10 years ago, he built me a, uh, a strap style guitar, a custom classic S is what he calls it, which is just fantastic. It's, and it's probably my favorite guitar. Um, so I use just, just the strat. It's got, uh, Mark Foley pickups, uh, pre CBS. Uh, style pickups which are fantastic in it and then for her I really I use that I use an analog man king of tone for when I need a crunch sound or a lead sound and a wah-wah pedal a lot of times on that gig it's fly out date stuff so they'll rent a wah-wah pedal it's usually like a crybaby or something like that and then it goes into a fender amp just clean and and that's that setup um so super simple for that for the bacon brothers it's the total opposite um the Bacon Brothers have been around for as a band for like 25 years, and they have like eight or nine albums. And there's, oh, they cover just about every style there is, um, from funk to soul to rock to country to folk. Um, so there's a lot of different 
material that I have to be able to replicate from those records. And I have a, a pretty big setup for that. Um, when I travel with them, uh, I bring, actually I bring three, uh, three electrics, a uh, Michael Tuttle Strat, uh, Michael Tuttle Telly, which is also an, you know, another fantastic guitar with um, Jerry and Mel Fentano pickups in it. Um, and then I'll bring a Gibson of some sort, like a, a Les Paul or my SG. And then they also do a lot of acoustic stuff as well. So I have uh, a Taylor 6-string, a Taylor 12-string, and a mandolin that I bring as well. And then I have a pretty big pedal board up for them that actually Brian O'Million of O'Million Audio uh, and the Guitar Sanctuary put together for me last year that's got a bunch of pedals on there. <clears throat> um, off the top of my head, it's... Uh, it's, it all starts through a Mezzabugi high wire for impedance loading for input and output. Um, and then there's uh, a Vertex boost pedal, uh, analog, that's the analog man king of tone goes with me on that board. Um, Bogner, Ecstasy Blue. And then also there's, uh, I use a lot of the Strymon pedals for all the different mm-hmm. modulation and delay and reverb because I find that they're just fantastic and they're easy to program and work with. So I have that, that pedal board and then the amp that I use of choice with them on tour is a uh, Homestead HS50, which is a uh, Peter McMahon builds Homestead amps. He used to be with Diaz amps and he took over the company when Diaz, Cesar Diaz passed away. Um, and the Homestead's just a really, 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 really great amp that gets a great, great clean or you can turn it up for a great crunch depending on what you need. So it, covers a whole bunch of different things that pedal board that i described that brian put together for me is also my main session board because it gets pretty much every sound that i would need on there um and then i have a couple of other pedal boards like for my own solo stuff i have a pedal board with kind of a bunch of vintage-ish boutique type pedals like a <clears throat> uh, full tone octafuzz and analog band fuzz pedal uh Sunface and mm-hmm. um also, I should mention Tyler Amps. Um, John Brenton at Tyler Amps uh, has a really fantastic Tyler Drive pedal, which is kind of like an Ibanez Tube Screamer, which I use a lot for, for my own stuff. And they also uh, build fantastic amps. And I have a Tyler JT14, which is which is a really great kind of Fender Princeton-style amp, mm-hmm. which I use as well. So that's kind of a somewhat detailed uh, discussion of, of what I bring, depending <laughs> on what the gig is. Yeah, well, that sounds like a, a lot of great gear, and, and I'm with you. I love the Strymon, the Strymon yeah. pedals, you know. And that I, I, I'm the guy, you know. It's like, are are you a reverb or delay guy? I am, but more of a reverb guy, definitely. Right. I mean, when I'm here at home playing my own stuff, I love to have reverb on the amp. Um, the the Homestead amp has a fantastic reverb, as does the Tyler amp. Um, those are kind of my two amps that I use either at home or at on, on gigs. <clears throat> so I generally use the reverb. Um, I have the delay. I mean, I have delay pedals on all of my pedal boards. I have three different boards. Um, with the Bacon Brothers, there's often times where I need some sort of you know specific delay for either like an edge U two ish kind of sound or just for for ambience. But really, I, I I'm personally I lean towards just guitar distortion uh amp reverb possible yeah yeah i've i've always been i don't know why i think uh i think it was because maybe it was because of some some somebody said one time about uh reverb versus delay and i I got away from using a lot of reverb i i mean i use it i got it i use the two rock 
uh, amp, the, sure. uh, the great. yeah, the SSS and then the Foosh, uh, overdrive, uh, huh. were probably the two main ones. Well, I just got a Mesa Fillmore, which I don't know if you're into Mesa and that, but that amp is just really, really nice. But anyway, I just, a little bit of reverb and then I stack a bunch of delays in order to create the reverb. You know what I mean? And I found sure. out that yeah. I don't get as much of a mushy sound. You know what I mean? Cause sometimes reverb can really, depends oh, on yeah, the reverb. It can it can definitely uh, wash out your sound for sure. I mean, it, it and it depends. For me, it depends on what what I'm doing, what what song yeah. it is, what you know. With a uh, with a actually interesting, somewhat interesting, interesting to me anyway. When I had picked up the Homestead, I had Peter actually swap out one of the the backplate switches to a reverb on off switch, which was not a standard function on the amp, but because I know that some songs I don't need reverb and don't want it, and I want to be able to have it on, you know, have it on and off for it. Um, so it, it depends if it's, if it's needed, I, I, I certainly enjoy using it, but a lot of the hard rock stuff or rhythm stuff, it can definitely wash you out your sound. So you don't want to have it too much in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you this on your videos. Uh, your guitar sounds great on your videos, of course. Thank you. Uh, are, are you running your your amp and your pedals through a, a cabinet simulator, or are you using, you know, plugins for your amp sound and your pedals? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, no, I'm fortunate that uh, I have a house that has – I was able to build an ISO booth in my basement, so okay. I have a speaker cabinet there. I mic it up, and I use – just you know, I, for most of the videos, I go directly into either the Homestead or the Tyler, and and that's basically what you're hearing. Um, I don't u- really use plugins too much. I'll use them on occasion, especially if 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 needed to for a session or something. But really, when I'm doing stuff here in my own my own home, I'm able to use amps and I'm able to crank them up fairly loud, not you know definitely loud or anything like that. But the good news is that with a 50 watt amp, with the HS50, there's actually a, a half power switch. And with the Tyler JT 14, it's only 14 amps any, or 14 watts anyway, so it's not going to get that that cranking loud. Um, I should say that though, though, that I also have like a, a Fractal AX8, yeah. which is strictly digital for when I need that. And there are certain gigs, whether it's a Broadway thing or uh, you know a one-off gig or whatever, where I'll need specifically a, a, to be direct and not have any uh, any amp. And I have that set up and and whatnot, but I definitely prefer just plugging into an amp and cranking it up if I can. Right, right. Yeah, the the fractals and the Kempers are, are really, really nice for those types of situations. Yeah, no, and they're they're fantastic for that type of stuff. For me personally though, it's just I mean they sound they sound great, don't get me wrong. Right. But I, I'm just I was never one of those guys that really liked to program yeah. and tweak and get and get into the effects. Like I <laughs> prefer any amp that has like three or four knobs and that's it, or a pedal that has three or four knobs. So once you give me too many knobs and too many options, I kind of like get get nervous and don't know what I'm doing. So I try to stay away <laughs> from it if possible. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know what? Uh, playing on Broadway is is got to be a completely di- different beast. You were in uh, Rock of Ages, right? I was. I subbed for Joel Hoekstra at yeah. Rock of Ages. Um, I actually started out right about when it when the show started. Um, yeah, I was one of his, the first guys that he called up to, to come in and sub, and I subbed the entire run of the of the show for five or six years. <clears throat> so I subbed for him there, and I, I also subbed on a bunch of different shows, from Lion King to um, 
Spider-Man to like, I think it's like 10 or 11 shows that I've subbed on at this point. And then when School of Rock the Musical was coming to Broadway, I was asked to be the, the chair, one of the, the guitar chairs there. And I, I took that spot. So I did that for the entire three, three and a half years that that show ran. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, Broadway is a, is a wonderful uh, community of people and artists and uh, musicians and actors and everything. It's really, it does kind of have a, a, a community feel. And, and um, sadly right now we're not able to do what we want to do as, as most in entertainment industries are not able to do yeah. what they, what they, uh, what they have been in the past, but hopefully it'll, uh, it will all bounce back and, and come back because it's been a wonderful experience for me and a great, great melting pot of wonderful musicians as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm friends with Joel, so you know, uh, um, I, I've I've had the opportunity of of seeing the show um, when huh. he, when he was there in that, but uh, it's got to take a completely different skill set to some degree to be on Broadway as opposed to playing with Gloria Gaynor. Oh yeah, no, there's definitely um, definitely a specific skill set that that goes into the Broadway scene. Obviously, there's a uh, very, very high level of musicianship is needed. Um, and there's also a certain, a, a very high level of professionalism and, and business sense that goes into it too. Uh, because you're, you're much like when you're on the road with uh, a band, you're in a very small, in, a, in Broadway, you're in a very small space with a lot of different musicians. So you obviously have to have interpersonal skills. Um, but there's, you're also, unlike when you're, when you're with a band, you're dealing with a music supervisor, a conductor, an orchestrator, a music producer, uh, many different levels of, of, uh, bosses and hierarchy and such that, that you need to be able to do what they need, that what they want whenever they want it. And you also need to, uh, be able to follow a conductor and work with instruments that maybe you blend with instruments that you probably wouldn't normally do with like a rock band because a lot of those shows have full on orchestras with woodwinds and brass and strings and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely uh, a different beast than, you know, doing a, a touring rock gig, but it's a challenge that I certainly enjoy. And as I said, it's a really great community of wonderful people. Now, when you when you got your first gig doing that, was it a little intimidating? You know, going from you know being in a band setting to to being into a production such as that it has to be a little bit intimidating. Oh yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, my first experience was was with Rock of Ages with Joel, which was a, a, a very unique situation for Broadway. Um, it was much more of a rock band sort of thing for anybody that saw rock of ages you were in a rock the, the band that's on stage is a rock band it was a two guitar bass drums keys band <clears throat> and you're playing all these 80s hits and doing all this you know a lot of music that i grew up with so that that one rock of ages almost isn't really a a typical broadway setting but i know the first time that i went into play at lion king which is a very typical uh broadway setting in the sense that there's a conductor there's multiple percussion and strings and, and different instruments and such. The first time I did it, I mean, I want, literally like in intermission, I was like, I just want to go home. I feel like I am the worst player in the world and I am so embarrassed that I even set foot in this place. <laughs> I mean, I felt terrible. I just wanted to curl up in a corner and die. I felt that I felt like I was killing, like killing it and not in a good way. Um, but obviously it, it worked out because I ended up playing there for years and still up until a couple months ago was playing there. Um, so it is definitely a different uh, mindset. It is definitely intimidating when you're in front of, like in that case, I think it's uh, 1,200 
1500 seat theater when you're sitting there and the conductor points at you and you have to hit the note when he points at you or whatever can conducts the cue it's definitely a high pressure thing so yeah yeah now if if somebody's paying attention to this podcast and they want you know uh to follow in the, the footsteps of tim you know uh you know and be a side man and maybe venture off into broadway and things like that what are some things you think that they would need to do and need to focus on as a player in order to get to the place to where they could accomplish something like that? Um, I would say definitely uh, study with somebody competent, um, you know, find a good teacher or a good school or whatever, and learn to read, learn all the music theory uh, and harmony, because you're going to need to know all that stuff when, when somebody puts a piece of music in front of you or puts on a record and says, I want you to, sound like this you need to be able to understand what what music is and how that all works um and learn to work with specifically for broadway you'd want to learn to 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 follow a conductor and as we said before study and learn as many different styles as possible because you never know when you're going to get a call to play like i had no idea that i was ever going to play i will survive with gloria gaynor as a a disco (laughs) song you know i didn't come up learning that style of music, but, uh, all right. I mean, I didn't stop listening to it, but obviously somewhere along the way, I learned all my R and B and, and disco style stuff or whatever for fun. And I was able to take that gig and it's been a wonderful gig. And, and we do a lot of, she does a lot of things other than just disco, especially at this point, she has a, a new record that won a Grammy for best gospel record. So, um, learn as many different styles and, and just keep an open mind to, all different styles and, and artists and that will definitely serve you well in your career for sure. Yeah. That's good advice. Real good advice. So is there anybody on your radar now as, uh, as somebody that you're paying attention to or really listening to a lot? Is there a guitar player out there that, you know, you're going, yeah, this is, this is what I'm into at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely, as I had mentioned before, there's definitely a handful of, of current players, or actually not even a handful. There's a lot of, of really, really good players these days. Um, the guys that that I particularly resonate with and find uh, a lot of inspiration from are um, Philip Sace, um, Matt Schofield, uh, who I believe you're actually going to have on your show as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, like Joe Bonamassa is a great player who does a lot of the same stuff type of stuff that I'm into. Josh Smith is great. Um, really a ton of ton of great players out there these days but those guys are those those three or four guys are kind of what i listen to these days for if i want to check out somebody new that's that's inspiring no, you can't um, go wrong with them <laughs> no they're they're monsters yeah they're they're fantastic kirk fletcher is another guy really yeah. great player um yeah. again as i said i kind of lean in that kind of blues contemporary blues rock genre and those guys all do that stuff so well and i definitely uh enjoy listening to them yeah so what do you think about uh, you know an eight-year-old girl sitting on her bed at her house being able to play you know steve Vai note for note you know uh <laughs> you know just like amazing i mean what do you think of that i know i, w- I often wonder what what other players think of these people that because there's man there's people all over the world that you can find on youtube that are just <clears throat> flat out friggin amazing you know, sure. they might not, they might only be amazing on that one song, but you know, yeah, I, it's an interesting world that we live in. Um, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I commend and applaud 
yeah, all those people that can do all those, you know, anybody that's making music and making it at a high level, level whether it's a eight-year-old girl in her bedroom or, you know, Joe Bonamassa in front of, you know, a huge crowd or whatever, um, anybody that's making music and making it well is, is I think, to be applauded. I think that um, these days there's a lot of uh, options that maybe that weren't necessarily there for uh, earlier generation, you know, guys of my age, your age, uh, earlier generation, any of the earlier generations in terms of how to learn with, you know, YouTube lessons and, and being able to slow down an MP3 and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's a great thing because it helps people learn music better and, and create better music. So it's, it's awesome. And I, I, I don't have a ton of time to uh, watch, you know, YouTube videos and, and Instagram TV and all that sort of stuff. But when I do check it out, it's always inspiring and, and uh, impressive what, what everybody's doing out there. Yeah, there's some great players out there. So outside, I know you said you're in the studio or you're you're about to be, you're working uh, towards a, a new release. Do you have any idea, you know, who's going to back you up on that release and when it's going to, you know, drop? Yeah, well, um, well, had you asked me that question two months ago, uh, prior to uh, COVID-19 hitting, I would have had a, a different answer, um, <laughs> because I, right now it's a self-funded record um, that I'm, uh, you know, basically planning on doing all myself, not playing all the instruments myself, but, but you know, handling the production, all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> um, with the change in, you know, climate, I, at this point, because my touring income and performing income is, has definitely taken a, a serious hit. Um, I've started to rethink it. So um, I'm hoping uh, my original intention was to have a full record done by the end of the year and out, whether it's um, on my own or with some sort of label management. Um, at this point, uh, because my time to write music has changed a lot because my daughter is home <laughs> all the time with me. Yeah. Um, it's the record record slowed down a little bit. So I'm thinking more along lines of doing an EP um, and either again, either re- releasing it on my own or with, with a management or label. Um, and I'm still hoping to get it done in the, in the, by the end of the year and, you know, fall into the year or something like that, if I can, it, it just kind of depends on what ends up happening with the entertainment world these days. Um, I know it will all come back and I know, you know, I'll be out gigging again sometime soon, hopefully, um, hopefully soon. Anyway, I know it, it will eventually happen, but, uh, in the meantime, I am writing and working on it. Um, as for, as for players, I have a couple of players that I've, that I've, have worked with a lot lately who are just really good friends of mine and also fantastic players. Winston Roy, who's a bass player that I've known for years. He was actually in rock of ages. He's also in soul asylum and does a lot of gigs and stuff. He's played with me for years and it's just fantastic. So he'd be on bass and probably, um, probably Gary Seligson, who's a fantastic New York drummer, um, who was at school of rock and musical with me. And then as far as keys, uh, I'm, there's a bunch of good players. I'm, I'm really just trying to keep it to to friends of mine that I know and I love creating music with. Um, so I'm also just trying to keep trying to keep it fun. Yeah. And uh, not not make it too heady or or too much pressure or anything like that. Right. Right. Well, you know, I know a lot of people in your industry. You know, a lot of people that are you know, having a hard time right now, you know, things are difficult, you know, for uh-huh. musicians and promoters and venue owners and, and everybody. So, uh, you know, are, are you, uh, giving lessons online? Are you, uh, doing any like Facebook live shows to, you know, I'm to... not, 
I'm not doing any uh, uh, live st- live streaming shows or anything like that at this point. Um, part mostly because of just my time. Um, because because of my time with my family. Um, my daughter had been in daycare prior to this. She's not anymore. So my days are filled uh, with a lot of uh, you know quality time with my daughter. I'll put it that way. Right. Um, which which I am really enjoying. But um, I am available for lessons, um, Skype lessons, online lessons, uh, when possible, personal, you know, in-person lessons as well. Um, so that's something that I, I used to do a lot of. And with my performing schedule, I kind of had to put it on the back seat, but I'm, a, I'm doing it again. So if anybody is interested, they can certainly reach out to me via my website or uh, any of the social media channels that I'm on. And uh, I, depending on how long this all goes on with uh, – no live shows being, you know, not, live shows not really being an option. I'll probably get into the live streaming thing once the record gets closer to being done. But right now, I, I'm not at that place yet. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, what's going to be in the future? Let's just say this all gets back to normal in six months. Do you go back to Broadway? You back doing shows with the Bacon Brothers and Gloria Gaynard, and just moving on, or do you have some other plans as well apart from the, apart from the release? If everything bounces back, uh, you know, the way that, it, that I hope it will, um, yes, the Bacon Brothers, I will definitely be working with them. They have a new record that's coming out, I believe, sometime this summer. They're actually dropping a new single tomorrow, um, which today is May, whatever it is. But um, So I, I'm going to be working with them. Um, Gloria Gaynor, as I said, released a, a Grammy-winning album last year, and I did a bunch of shows with her, and I know that she has a bunch of stuff that she's hoping to do. So hopefully I'll be involved with that as well. And um, as for Broadway, there were a handful of shows that I was that were in the works to come to Broadway, and uh, that I'm sure has been put on hold at this point. But I, regardless, I'll be back subbing around on on different shows once Broadway resumes. And the other thing is obviously my solo stuff. I had had every intention of uh, doing solo shows of my own at this point, but um, that's been kind of put on the back burner until this all kind of bounces it uh, kind of bounces back the covers um but i will be doing some shows of my own to promote the record and hopefully get out getting out and doing some touring as well with it wow that'd be great yeah that's that's the plan hope so if i'm in uh your area we should definitely uh hang out and grab a drink yeah that sounds good i'd like that actually that'd be awesome <laughs> and and if you you know i know you probably know a bazillion people but if you you know need some some names and numbers, you know, for people in that blues rock area. That was my world. I know, I know a lot of people in there. So yeah, know. definitely. I mean, for, uh, agents, you know, people yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. Yeah. Once the, once the time comes, like I, I would love to get out and, you know, open up for people and do shows and have people work with me as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, I, I appreciate you know, that once again, I appreciate the time and, you know, you answering all my crazy questions and, you know, you're a very talented guy. I know that you're going to, you're going to do well, you know. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and I look forward to, uh, to hearing this when it's all done. All right. Keep your family safe and I'll talk to you soon. All right. You as well. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. There you have it. Tim Quick with me, Jimmy Warren on Guitar Talk. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central. That's when a new episode drops. You can find these on Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor FM, on my website, uh, Jimmy Warren Official. Next week, my guest is Andy Fuchs of Fuchs Amplification. You don't want to miss it. Until then, 
This is Jimmy Warren with Guitar Talk. Have a great day.